Welcome. <coughs> stop eating sweets. Stop eating sweets. To Trivial Cahoots. Stop sucking on your sweet. Um, our guest brought us sweets today. Our guest brought us sweets and a book. Uh, he is a lecturer in history. Just history. He Just is history. an author. And he is also a member of the La 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 Choir, as seems to be how I'm booking people these days. Good afternoon, Mark and Andy. How are you doing? Good afternoon, Connor Mulva. If Welcome that is your real show. name. And you're also indeed. also a fan of the show. I have uh, listened to several of your podcasts. Several That's, episodes. Yeah. That's all we while, ask. Um, while flying between here and Germany and stuff. Yeah, no, I was taking a flight back from London recently, and I was like, what did I listen to? And you know, you have free airport Wi-Fi, so it's like, bulk download... Trivial Cahoots, and I listened to like three or four of them in a row, and then I was like, I know way too much about Mark Antony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 He gives away too much of himself. <laughs> too much. On the show. And yet there's so much more. And yet. So uh, much more We've depth. only just scratched the surface. But you know a guy in real life, but you also have heard all these things about him that you haven't conversed with him directly about. Yeah. It's really weird. It's yeah. the audio equivalent of stalking. Yeah. But it's that, that way, kind of like when you meet celebrities, isn't it? Where you're kind of like, I know all about you, and you know nothing about me. Yeah. That happened to me last week. I was in a lift with Mario Rosenstock, and I was like, oh, slightly starstruck, but I was also there going like, I'll be cool. I'll just say nothing. So I just said, How are you doing? And he goes, Hello. And then he like pressed the <laughs> lift button, and we went down to the lift. And then I was like, We got to the end, and I think he was expecting me to be like, <laughs> So I just said, Have a nice day now. See ya. I walked away, which Good. I figured was the nicest thing to do to a celebrity because I'm sure they get mocked. But away. maybe he's the kind of guy who wants to be. Yeah, I know. Noticed. The one person I saw who definitely wanted to be noticed once was Gay Byrne, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Notice me," because we were both stuck at the tram lights in um, Sandymount together for like five minutes, and he was like, "Gay Byrne here, Gay Byrne here," <laughs> and I was just not rising the challenge, so I just let him shuffle up. I he sat was... next to him in the gate once um, at an opening night, and. I didn't know who the heck he was. <laughs> and everyone sort of kept looking over um, to talk, like to look at him, basically, which I think he was enjoying, as you said. Yeah. And I was sitting next to him. I didn't have a fucking clue who he was. And <laughs> the end, my husband nudged me. He's like, that's text Sheila, his mother. Yeah. And tell her you've been sitting next to Gay Byrne for the evening. And I was yeah. like, I don't even know what that means. That's the Irish mom equivalent to sitting next to Daniel O'Donnell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a big moment. Hmm. Wish I could have taken advantage, gotten cool. him to sign something. He thought you were super cool for not taking advantage of it. Probably. Yeah. I wonder. Yeah, I'll ask him next time I do, see him. Yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks like the cowardly lion. We talked about this already. <laughs> yeah. We can't go back there. <laughs> we can't go back there. <laughs> the cowardly lion. He does, though. I wish I knew some of the cowardly lion's lines, then I could. Something about courage. Hmm. Put em up. Put okay, em up. I need some courage. Got to get the courage, folks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here, you are, you are. Here we man. go. Ooh-hee, Ooh-hee. Ooh-hee. <laughs> What's going on? Um, Connor, you've written a book. I did scribble a book there last week. I yeah. shall now recite the title. It's a long one. Yeah. Sit back, everybody. Irish Days, Indian Memories. Vivi Giri, is Giri? Giri? Giri. Giri. And Indian Law Students at University College Dublin, 1913 to 16. And there's a lovely picture of, I'm guessing, Vivi Giri yeah, on the front cover there. Yeah, he's very handsome there. on the front there, yeah. He is, yeah. Pretty handsome. Yeah. Pretty handsome. Pretty handsome, dude. Um, there's also some photos in the book. There are some photos. It Did is you the kind use of that book with to pictures. pad it out? Yeah, I, I had so little <laughs> yeah. to write, I was just like, ah, mm, like, oh, maybe I'll, a picture maybe of Devil I'll Air in there. 
Um, yeah. Did so, you? How long did it take to write this book? Uh, I wrote that book really, really fast, actually. I, I suppose I was researching projects since the start of 2014, and then I wrote it in about two, two and a half months flat. Wow. Because I kind of had to. Head so. down and... Well, there's nothing like yeah. a deadline. Yeah, I love a good deadline. To make yeah. it work. Yeah. And is this a, a person you've always been interested in? Nope. Um, I was sort of handed it by work, and they said, uh, so um, in UCD, they have a scholarship named after Lydia Geary, and they asked me uh, back in... January 2014. We've just named a scholarship after this guy, but we're not sure if he actually really went here. So I had to research that. So I went down to our archives, yeah. and did a bit of digging, and then I said, This guy's actually really interesting. Really? I think I could write, and at the time I referred to it as a pamphlet on it. Mm-hmm. And then the pamphlet grew and grew and grew, and it became a book. It's a proper book with mm-hmm. a hard cover and everything. It has and a it, hard cover, yes. It also touches on the rising. It does. Um, w- was there involvement between V.B. Yeah. Geary and... So, Mr. Geary knew James Connolly. He was taught by Thomas McDonough when he studied English Lit in UCD. Really? Um, yeah, and him and McDonough would have both been very interested in Shakespeare. And would have the other professor of English in UCD, Robert Donovan, who was a Shakespearean expert. And other members of the Indian legal student community wrote for the Irish Volunteer newspaper. And they got their houses raided after the 1916 Rising because... They thought the Indians were planning some kind of terror plot on Empire Day, which was the 24th of May, 1916. So if you think about the dates there, the 24th of April was the day the Rising started. And Empire Day was because it was Queen Victoria's birthday. She was long dead, but they liked celebrating her birthday even after she was at her dead day. So um, they they thought the Indians were going to use this as an opportunity to do something, to mark the Rising and Empire Day by doing something... um, Perhaps terror-related. Uh, terror-related in aid of Irish independence or Indian independence? Uh, it's much of a muchness. Yeah. The struggle the is global. Just against, against, the against the British Empire. An anti-imperial Empire. action. Mm. So they raided a bunch of Indians' houses, um, including at Grove Park, where Vivi Giri lived, in Rat Mines. And um, they didn't find anything. But Vivi Giri was handed a notice on the 1st of June, telling him he had to get out of Britain and Ireland by the 1st of July. So he went back to India and involved himself in the Indian independence movement. And then he became the fourth president of India in 1969. Whoa. Yeah. Someone's trying, to, someone trying to raid the door as you're telling us. Someone's trying to break down the door. Indian political intelligence. The British have heard us. Day. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're coming. Yeah. They're coming um, that's fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. It was fascinating, yeah. And I, I wonder, were the seeds things. of his rebellious nature sown in Ireland? I would argue so, something? because he organised a transporting general workers strike in India, which was way more successful than Connolly and Larkin's lockout. And his locked out workers, they, they struck first and he got 70,000 people out in strike. But there are a lot more people in India than Ireland. Mm. That's true. Um, but still, no meat feet. And um, after they went strike, then they were locked out for a bit. And after their lockout, they were successfully brought back and they got their demands and stuff. So wow. Kind of like the Lewis strikers today, I guess. Like the, what's topical. happening literally yeah. today. Yeah. Should be a Lewis strike tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, is there? Yeah. Yeah, because if there's one thing Paddy's Day needs, yeah. it's a Lewis strike. No yes, trams. To make the day more fun for everybody. Yeah. It is very lockouty. I think it's quite appropriate in this mm-hmm. 1916 year that we would have a, a transport striker in, mm-hmm. in Ireland. Yeah. yeah, but getting back to Mr. Geary, yeah, he, um, yeah, he had a transport strike and he picketed off licenses, which is another interesting Patrick's Day kind of Irish yeah. boozy thing yeah. to do. But he got super involved in the Indian independence movement, and he was friends with Gandhi, and um, yeah, they seemed to do some really interesting 
non-violence liberation type uh, yeah. work when they got back. And uh, yeah, I would argue that the Irish example definitely inspired Geary and his friends. There's a statue to one of the other Indian law students who was a, a Telugu, uh, where they still have difficulty getting my uh, tongue around, Telugu language novelist who wrote like the sort of major novel of Telugu literature in Hyderabad. There's a statue of him in India, but he studied law in UCD back then. What was the connection between having law students come to UCD? Um, was it just part of the empire that they that was where they sort were shoving of. them? Or they, the, there was Indians coming to Britain like as students since the 1870s at least. But I've argued in the book that one of the reasons they started coming to Ireland at this point was because Irish feminists reached out to them after an Indian student shot dead a senior British administrator in London in 1909 and he got hung after and executed. So Irish feminists were like, India's struggle is Ireland's struggle. Irish feminists unite and support this guy. And they said he was like the Robert Emmett of his day and they really rallied behind them. So they sent out this really clear signal to India Ireland will is take a you. cool place to go. So, you mm. know, there were still a lot of Indian students. There's about 700 Indian students in Britain, mostly London, Manchester, Edinburgh in this period, and 50 of them came to Ireland during the First World War. Wow. Yeah. Mm. So they were kind of pioneers in international education. Yeah. Cool, guys. Let me ask you uh, another question about, like, why do you think, you just mentioned the lockout, why isn't 1916, like gone over so much more than any anything else really why is that ah. like, of that period like the lockout is mark. i mean the lockout was commemorated and stuff a bit a couple of years ago but this is massive but 1916 this, is, this know, is shutting down the city it's yeah, not when we yeah. became independent no. and you know so i teach a course on memory and commemoration and in that i look at foundation narratives around the world from like America's foundation right. Australia's France's India's Mexico's all these kind of things and every nation needs a sort of a story that is historical but also can become more than history and yeah. kind of take on a mythological importance to it and I would argue that for us 1916 is that and the reason that like 1919 1921 1922 and the lockout are all more factional or divisive therefore 1916 is the only place where at least Irish nationalists, Republicans, people of, let's say, a greener tinge can all get together behind this thing. Yeah. So it's right. it's the closest we come to a unifying foundation narrative, and therefore the state is like, let's just go with this. Yes. Okay. Let this be the moment, even yeah. though it was not a success at the time. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. 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 Um, because they get... It's I mean, got all those ingredients of the foundation narrative. It's got, like, romance yeah. with, you know, Plunkett's wedding in Kalenum. Yeah. It's yeah. got martyrs in The Executed. It's got, like, you know, it's a short, sharp theatrical piece like some English literary critics talk about how the GPO may have been chosen because it was such a perfect backdrop and that like the rising itself was a piece of theatre mm-hmm, most mm-hmm. of those signatories were playwrights in their own right so, so yeah mm. yeah well it makes it does make sense because I guess you know there was so it would be very hard to celebrate 1922 I think that's I think everybody sure, would yeah. feel that way even yeah, the people who yeah. were fine with what happened would not feel that comfortable celebrating it yeah really I, yeah, it's it's. I suppose the only one that comes close is 1919, the foundation of the doll, which is unifying. But even though the 1916 rising is clearly a violent phase of Irish history, the War of Independence is a much dirtier war. And mm. as such, I mm. think there will be reluctance um, to commemorate it with the same uh, enthusiasm that is currently mm-hmm. uh, engulfing proclamation. Yeah. And well, it is. Stuff. It's kind of like. Um, nobody talks about sort of the reunification of the United States after the Civil War. Like, that, yeah. those dates are not 
That's a really interesting point. Talked yeah. about yeah. at all. It's all about just independence from the British, mm. and yeah. that's the main thing. Yeah. Kicking them out. And then after that, it's like, well, the fact that it was all held together is lovely, but people are still not happy about yeah. it. So. And one of the things I, I'd be interested in looking at now in the post-1916 haze is to move way forward and look at 1922 and 1921, which is when partition actually happens, on that subject of partition, but internationalizing that. Because I certainly grew up thinking that Ireland was like the only partition country in the world as like a child. Yeah. And then I'm like, hold on, Korea's partitioned, Germany was partitioned, got reunified, America was partitioned, yeah. got reunified in the 1860s. Um, you know, South Sudan, the Congo with Katanga, uh, Biafra and Nigeria, like yeah. half the world has been partitioned when India, Pakistan being the really the obvious example. One, yeah. mm. um, but in, in, I suppose, the moving from empire into nation states, so many parts of the world got cut up. And well, there's always a kind of, like, I mean, you know, an idea that a country existed, I think, you know, like, and then it's been perverted either by another country coming in. Like, you know, Ireland wasn't a single country. Absolutely. Really. And you, you can't draw a perfect line around a people. Like, yeah. That's the entire issue here. Yeah. There are more Irish people existing in the diaspora than there are. Itself. Yeah, or you're, you know, like a united Germany. It was like, yeah, yeah when was Germany? Well, you know, yeah, as soon as like you start getting into Gross or Deutschland, you get into some really messy. <laughs> when you look at old territory. maps, you're like, but what was here? Well, it yeah. was just kind of a vague, like that's. Federation of Princes. Yeah, yeah they're just yeah. like yeah. dashed lines of like, that was kind of a bit of a thing, and then over here was that thing, and yeah, that kind of stuff. So, is this the heaviest episode of Trivial Cahoots you've ever had? Where we discussed uh, partition and. Yeah. This is the one that's going to win us a Peabody. Is this that is a inappropriate? <laughs> I don't know what a Peabody this is. is but, uh, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> if we can keep the swears <laughs> out of this one, we are going to win. Yeah. Cha-ching. We are going to win whatever we're supposed to win. Win that mother in this pod- yeah. 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 Exactly. Well, you're a podcaster as well. Yeah, so I, I do some work with historyhub.ie, which is a public history website run by UCD. And... Um, we do a lot of history podcasts. We've podcasted like lectures, but we've also done like nice bite-sized podcasts that can kind of answer historical questions. Mm. There's one on St. Patrick's, so if anyone's listening to this on St. Patrick's yes. Day, either this year or in future years, in future. check out uh, Dr. Elva Johnson has really, really top-notch research on the actual historical St. Patrick. And what, really, really um, well. could you give us a few things since it is tomorrow yeah. when we're recording this? Yeah. And most people in Ireland, I find, run for the hills on St. Patrick's Day. I have no interest in celebrating it <laughs> yeah. at all. Um, he, and yet there are tons of people coming in. My godmother arrived in the country this morning. Wow. Uh, so she can get drunk in pubs. No, he but pushed, basically... He pushed the snakes out of Ireland but brought the, the drink. He drove the snakes out I heard it was a nice car. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a Prius. And he, this is one of the reasons, and I've said repeatedly, that I live in Ireland is because there's no snakes. So I'm down with St. Patrick for that reason. I brought snake jellies to your oh, table. This is how that. I enjoy snakes. Yeah. <laughs> By eating them. Breaking their heads off yeah. and chomping them down. But, yeah. um, I mean, it's nice to have a day off, but I don't, you know, it, but it's huge. It, uh, it was huge for me growing up. St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. Like we, oh, sorry, God. listeners. Sorry, that was listeners. Mark fault. Um, <laughs> it was a huge day for me growing up yeah. in California. In California, right. And then also, when we moved back to the East Coast, um, we used to go to the Bahamas on spring break so we used to be in the Bahamas nice. on St. Patrick's Day and people would be celebrating like people celebrated yeah. everywhere yeah it's a day I that people I spent St. Patrick's Day in, ag- in rural France one year and that was really lame they were they they oh. were like they sort of mentioned halfway through lunch oh 
Social treats, it's in Patrick's Day, and you're like, oh, great, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, great, thanks. Yeah, I want um, an angel birthday. But what's, the, what's so a few fun facts? I went, I would Patty. have no St. Patty's Day facts, as some of the Americans nowadays say, why, I don't know, um, if I hadn't gone to a lecture about St. Patrick last night. Oh, uh, how? Boom. Uh, so the Irish Historical Society, of which I am a committee member, um, held a lecture last night on commemorating St. Patrick's Day through the years north and south. And how it's not just a Catholic thing, how like Anglicans and Presbyterians, I knew Anglicans celebrated it. And like, you know, the way the St. Patrick's cross flag is actually in the Union Jack. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's the yeah. red one. So that was, well, I knew that, but it was still. Nice yeah, yeah. Of that. yeah. Um, but, you know, I knew it was a big thing in the Anglican tradition, but I didn't know so much that like St. Patrick was quite um popular among Presbyterians and I was like well you know if they're low church and they're not into like the congregation of saints and all those kind of high religious principles why are they into St. Patrick so it just seems they like them yeah um, but I learned that until 1961 you couldn't buy a drop of drink on St. Patrick's Day in Ireland except for at a dog show that was held in the RDS <laughs> and at there was one horse race somewhere and also at train stations if you were a bona fide traveller but mm. Uh, one of the guys at the lecture said he had gone to the dog show in the RDS just to get a drink. I bet it was sloppy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. it was super sloppy. Yeah. I she, the she dog show. Get an exception. The RDS had a smart idea that, you know, just to get around the licensing laws, they had an annual dog show on St. Patrick's Day. I guess there were loads of Irish Wolfhounds why, why are you allowed to drink if you're watching dogs? It's the RDS. They're just like... It's like you can it's do a private members club, yeah. But they it's just like made theaters, up a thing. Theaters are allowed to serve drink on Good Friday. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh. So if you yeah. go see a play on Good Friday, you can drink as much there as you want. There was that big controversy a few years ago where didn't they want to ha- make Munster exempt from the Good Friday rule because yeah. there was a giant rugby match on in Palmer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it didn't go down so well. But I remember Willie O'Dea being on the radio and like giving out about it's it. It's kind of a bizarre rule. Yeah. Because all it is is a challenge. That's <laughs> yeah. all the way that Irish people view it, is yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, if they, got, this one. if they got rid of it, if they yeah. got rid of the ruling, the drink companies would probably object. They'd but probably say, no, like, you can't like cut our profits like that. It's cream eggs. Do you know what I mean? Because cream eggs, also an Easter thing, are seasonal, yeah. I think Cadbury's probably sell more cream eggs in yeah. a short period of time that they market them for. Yeah. And I'd say the drinks lobby actually likes St. Patrick's Day, or not St. Patrick's Day, Good Friday, yeah. because... I know for myself, like when you're on a on a holy Thursday, if you pass by like an off license, it is gonna be Mental. out the wazoo and crazy. <laughs> yeah. And then like Saturday, the pubs are all full because people are like oh, can't believe I got through oh, Friday. I made it. Yeah, and they're probably just sipping hands at home the whole day anyway. Is yeah, that why it's called Holy Thursday? Because people are like Holy, holy Thursday, shit. Holy, holy shit, we gotta get to the ice license. <laughs> holy Thursday, Batman, get in there. Um, my father lived in Ireland in the early 60s and oh. said that St. Patrick's Day was a real uh, downer. Like, it was because yeah. the pubs weren't open, you couldn't do anything. It was sort of like very religious. Yeah. Everybody was in mass. The, the bells were ringing all day. Yeah. 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 And that everyone was off, but no one was sort of doing anything. There was no, you know, well, no tourists either. That's the big Yeah, difference. well, like, speaking of your godmother, is it, who came mm-hmm. in? Like, it's amazing to see that. Well, she was saying it. She mm. was saying that she got stuck. Her cute, her customs line this morning took about an hour and a half. Yeah, getting through customs this morning. But so. it's really exciting to see like everyone coming into town, and there's such a good atmosphere until about eleven p.m. on yeah. St. Patrick's Day. And then you're then don't be in town. Yeah, I used to live in town, and you know, even going out for like, some takeaway was quite grim. Yeah. Oh, we. I went to meet someone for a coffee. Worst mistake ever on St. Patrick's Day <laughs> in. 
Temple Bar. I don't I know why we chose that. <laughs> yeah. It was like we it was like we were challenging it was like we were challenging ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of like let's meet at this yeah. tea place in Temple Bar. Yeah. And it was at like one in the afternoon, but still it was disgusting. <laughs> and I actually didn't hear English being spoken. Like it was yeah. mostly Italian was speaking and Spanish Irish? and oh, being no so one was speaking yeah. Irish. No. Yeah, everyone's speaking Irish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I don't even feel like Irish people come up I mean I guess people come to the parade. Yeah. Yeah. They must. Someone must go to the parade. Kids and stuff, yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be a beautiful day tomorrow. Yeah. So that's going to help. I'm looking forward to it. What are you going to do to celebrate? Well, with a totally different hat on, quite literally, I'm in the Reserve Defence Forces, so I'm going to be in the parade tomorrow. Whoa! Yeah, so that's always fun. I do it every year. Being in the parade must be fun. Yeah, it's nice. You walk behind some guy, like, dressed up as St. Patrick. Do you get to wear a fancy outfit? Yeah, just my army uniform. Oh. We have like a garden. Which is basically a fancy it. outfit. It is a fancy outfit, yeah. I guess. Yeah, so that'll be cool. But that's what we do on Patrick's Day. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, once you get changed out of uniform, you can go for a drink. No drinking in uniform. For sure. Yeah. Except in our. No one needs barracks. to see that. Yeah. It's the opposite in the States. All the guys who march in the parade, uh, uniformed servicemen, hmm. all go out and then they all get free drinks and stuff because they're in there. Oh, nice. Yeah. Military garb. Yeah. Yeah, we'd probably get hauled back into the barracks if we were cavorting yeah. in uniform. Which I think is which probably makes a much sense. better way. Yeah. It's a much better way yeah. of doing it. You're soldiers, not some kind of sailors who go around drinking with no. <laughs> It's mad in New York City. Like three giant avenues are shut down in New York City for St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. Um I know a friend from here who's going over to sing with her choir in the St. Patrick's Day parade in Bullshit. New York City. Mark, we should get Why that gift. Fuck are we not there? Yeah, what, what the heck? The Why aren't you doing fuck? that? Yeah. Why are you guys why are you guys still here actually? I need to talk to Fireman Sam about this. Our choir master has booked us a really cool gig in Hungary, but we uh, we should definitely get New York next year. Hungary's not New York City. Where yeah, in Hungary correct. is it? In Budapest. Well, that's a fun city. That's pretty cool. Yeah, you guys can all go yeah. to ba- take a bath together. Yeah. What? Literally. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast just got weird. You can all take a bath together in Budapest. We will. <laughs> yes. Uh, although neither of us are sure we're going, so... Yeah. But and now that you've heard you can take go. a bath together, maybe Ooh. not, though. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Let's get to the card. Is it my turn to read your card? Uh, I'll read it. Okay. Uh, just because I read some of them to check the card. So <clears throat> now, uh, can I just prepared. say I'm, like, yes. I'm nervous about this bit, Come and especially on. I can just Come guarantee on. listeners now that I will get the history question wrong. That's just a guarantee. Sometimes the history question is not even about history, though. Yeah. So just wait. Yeah, till yeah it's you not really out. about history. Yeah. Um. Here is geography. Which London street considered introducing slow and fast pedestrian lanes with fines for dawdlers in the wrong... Progesterone lanes? Progesterone lanes. Progesterone lanes? Is that what you said? Pedestrian lanes with fines for dawdlers in the wrong lane. Hilarious. I'm going to... Considered. Didn't actually do it. Is there options? Because I'm going to guess Oxford Street. Yeah, I would say Oxford Street as well. Because it sucks trying to walk down Oxford Street. I was in London last week. It's terrible to walk down Oxford Street. the city centre. You have to. It's gross. Um, yeah. Oxford, it has to be Oxford Street, but I love the idea of finding people in the wrong walking lane. <laughs> I want to do that at airports. How I would you judge? How would you judge airports. what speed somebody's walking at? It's quite our way, though, isn't with it? With a radar gun. Yeah. London's got very dystopian like that. Like, yeah. I think a lot of people just exist between like their house and their work and the tube in between and everything's mm-hmm. so crowded and quite yeah. anonymous. Yeah. It's like... It was a fun city when I was there as a younger man, mm-hmm. speaking in my very, very Do you think you've friends. gotten too old for London? 
I think there's a lot of people uh, my age in London, and London's got too hectic for them. London is... Yeah. I lived in London for two years, in 2005 to 2007, and it is so much more crowded than when I lived there. Yeah, absolutely. Like, even now, like, it's you just... Yeah, yeah, really? Completely. Yeah. It's insane. Because I would have been over there a lot for research, like, 09 and 10, and now it's just crazy. Like, in the middle of the day, you can't, you can't get a seat in the tube. In the middle yeah. of the day, you're fighting people on the sidewalks. Yeah. Where are we? Why aren't you... Yeah. Because they have a ridiculously centralized economy. Mm. And it's super expensive over there. I don't know if it's just the relationship with the euro to the pound at the moment, but it was cripplingly expensive just to exist. Yeah. Mm. Unlike Portugal, where I was over last weekend, which is, you make money going to Portugal. Nice. It is fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. Highly recommend. Good. Yeah. I'll bear that one in mind. In Lisbon. And you don't, yeah. And you don't have to change. Euro. Currency. Yeah. 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 The Eurozone is awesome, I must say. Tell that to the British. <laughs> yeah. Well, they well, got in on that gravy train, so... It's just... good for convenience, but is it also, I mean, economically... On a macroeconomic level, yeah, I think we can probably agree we've down. had some questionable Euro decisions. But yeah, I it's amazing know. to have the same money in your yeah. wallet mm-hmm. across yeah, seventy different just states in the Eurozone. And it has brought, Flip. I think, people in Europe together a lot. Mm. In a really positive way. And it's nice to have people working... In different countries and being yeah. able to kind of do that. Yeah. yeah, I did. I did read somewhere that if British, if the British leave the euro zone, they people living in in, in London who are members of the European Union who make under thirty five grand a year will be kicked out of London, England, basically. Wow. Yeah, we have arrived in that dystopia. Haven't yeah, we? which is yeah. which is actually like that's a big because that affects actually a lot of people that I know, like a lot of yeah. actors who live over there and a lot of yeah. writers and and every artist are making thirty five grand doesn't a year. Work in like the city. Yeah. Yeah. But there, I mean, I don't know actually anything, but there might. I mean, even if there wasn't the EU, Ireland and Britain already had an existing free travel mm-hmm. thing where you can go and work there, so they they might have that anyway. Yeah. They might, which will make all the other countries very happy about the fact that the Irish get to stay and nobody else does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And actually, then it wouldn't make that much of a difference. But, yeah, I have but, a question. Yes. Were, were we right? Is yes. it Oxford Street? It is Oxford Street. Sweet. Well done. One everyone. out of one. Yeah. One out of one. Uh, yes. <laughs> <That's>, uh, <laughs> Moving on. I thought I had something else to say about London, Marketron. but I don't know. <laughs> Marketron. Uh, entertainment. Which actor in The King's Speech also starred in Bridget Jones's Diary? Ding, 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 ding. I saw The King's Speech. I think I've seen Bridget Jones's Diary. He's also in Pride and Prejudice. Is it the... I don't know the names of celebrities, which is why I never recognise them, or at least I'll give them the (laughs) dignity of Mm recognising them. Um, Trying to think what he's been in recently, The Kingsman? It's it's the guy who trained the king to talk. No. no, no, he was the old guy. Who's the no? Who's the posh guy? It's the guy who played the king. It's the king. Yeah, but then, yeah, is it the posh guy? The, mm-hmm. He's Hugh, or he, he? It's not Hugh Grant. No, what's it's that the other one? In, in yeah, the floppy haired guy. Yeah, the floppy haired guy. Yeah. So you you know him right here. It's just I don't. Yeah, know yeah. Celebrities. <laughs> yeah. Colin, Colin Firth. Colin Firth. Colin Firth. Firthy. Yeah. Firthy. Is that how he's known in this boat? Yeah. Yeah. Firth. Yeah. Yeah, my first, my laugh, fan. my everything. You're a fan, yeah. First man. Yeah, but not in a not in a kind of like I would like to have a romantic relationship with him. In a kind of like I think he is uh, wonderful in the parts that he plays. Ah, and he's smart. You admire and he's a good actor. Intellect. Yeah, that's a exactly. nice kind of and platonic. Crush I will though. not ever see another version of Pride and Prejudice on film because of the one that he's in. 
He is the he's ultimate so Mr. Darcy. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't he like emerge from a river or a lake? A lake. Wet and it's all, a yeah. lake. Yeah. It's a lake. It's a lake. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lake, and he emerges dripping wet in a wet white blouse. Yeah. Yeah. But what's crazy about that? It's six hours long. That Pride and Prejudice, the BBC Pride and Prejudice, and it's brilliant if you haven't watched it. And he doesn't smile in the whole thing because Mr. Darcy's that kind of character doesn't smile. Yeah. And the last scene of the movie, he cracks a smile. It's like, whoa, what? Is, <laughs> who is that? And his ma- smile makes his face look so different that it's um, sounds like not in a good way though. You don't seem impressed. N- no, it's sort of like um, it's. It, not as good as his his stern You like your Mr. Face. Darcy's to be stern uh-huh. and austere. And I think I think he's more attractive if he doesn't smile. Mm. And it's not that he has bad teeth. I just think that like Tiger Woods, much more attractive if he's not smiling. Yeah. Totally. Hmm. Yeah. And he's got good teeth. I'm never worried about my smile. Yeah, I don't know. Everyone yeah. just yeah, we should just smile. <laughs> take it down. <laughs> I mean, I think if you're used to seeing someone smile more, it's a different thing. Yeah. But I think it was the shock. Super serious dudes, yeah, like Mr. Darcy yeah. and Tiger Woods. You don't need to smile. Like, yeah. just keep it. Keep your game face on. Well, that's like seeing We're a cowboy without his hat on. <laughs> that's so a cowboy really, adores, basically. That's really bad. All cowboys should be gentlemen and take their hats off. They should be. Yeah. yeah, we were. I went to a ranch one um, summer with my family, and of course, uh, my cousins and I were all sort of between the ages of eighteen and twenty-one. So we were all like swooning over all the cowboys and the wranglers. <laughs> Of course, you see them outside mostly pretty much all the time, and they've all got their hats on. And then one did see them, and it's like... Oh, uh, did they have ball spots on? <laughs> one of them did, and then one of them just was like, oh, you're actually, like, t- tiny. Oh! <laughs> like, but he's be, not on a gigantic horse. But he's not on a horse yeah, with yeah, his yeah, hat on. Yeah. And, like, you'd be standing <laughs> next to him, even with his hat on, you're like, okay, well, he's not that tall. But yeah. without his hat, it's like, no, you are a tiny man. Oh, right, yeah. Bummer. That sucks. Oh. Yeah, I went out to the desert in Washington State there... About a little bit later than this time last year to talk about Irish history but yeah we saw lots of cowboy type people and we stood on top of a nuclear reactor the first ever nuclear reactor that was weird wow is that why you glow? Uh, yeah I have a is that why you've got a little bit of glow? <laughs> a healthy plutonium-esque glow yeah. Uh, yeah it was really strange no the, the guy this guy wrote um, Mike Spiegel and Jeff Payne are these writing pair who write musical theatre out in, um, in the Tri-Cities area in Washington and they're both like serious software guys by yeah. day and they write musical theatre by night. So mm. they wrote a play called The Guns of Ireland, which mm. is an amazing piece of theatre that juxtaposes the 1916 rising on one side of the stage with the 1798 rebellion on the other. And oh. like some of the characters enter and exit the trans-temporal space and at one point like, and this won't, this isn't a spoiler alert, but the priest from 1798 marries... Grace Gifford and Joseph Mary Plunkett in Kilmainham and then he says like I'm sorry I didn't finish the job back in my day and it's really, oh, yeah. it's, uh, gotcha. it was it was a really interesting piece of uh, commemoration theatre mm. so uh, he, he brought us out I had to give like an Irish history lecture out there mm. and um, then I stood on top of a nuclear reactor because he like rang someone up in the power plant like presumably not Homer Simpson no it was definitely and, Homer uh, Simpson and yeah we got in and um, all the Americans who were on the standard bus tour of the nuclear power plant were like freaking out because we were allowed to take photos and we were like walking behind the velvet ropes and they were like sir sir you can't do that and then like members of the nuclear authority of America had to go they're VIPs and we were like and then we got irradiated on top of this <laughs> They're VIPs. Let yeah. them get it. Right. And, and they know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's going to be a good story. Yeah, yeah, it does. It's yeah. really a freaky thing. And there were so many nuclear reactors around that area, all on the Columbia River. 
and one of them was the exact same as the one in Fukushima and there were a few that were in sarcophagi and it just reminded me of how sucky nuclear power is. It is. It's, yeah. But also, um, the Pacific Northwest is on a big fault line that could yeah. go at any moment. So For actually, sure. and that's not great that there's a lot of nuclear... Yeah. And they, they have to make these giant vats in the ground and then vitrify the nuclear waste and just bury it. Yeah. And it's beside a major river source for Seattle, so... It's not great. No, it's mm. a silly planning idea. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's... That's... Well, according to Bill Gates, is the, um, is the next thing that we need is a power source. Like, a lot of the Does problems... Bill, is Bill Gates suggesting himself... Like he yeah, plug himself like, in. Yeah, yeah. Nerd power. You've got offline. I can do it. Yeah. 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 Anyway, let us uh, crack on to history. What is the best known product of the company that bought Windsor Safari Park in the 1990s? What the hell, Mark? What, <laughs> what the hell question is That's that? That's history, of course. It happened in the 1990s. What is the best known product of the company that bought Windsor Safari Park in the 1990s? Where is that? Safari. It must be in Windsor Castle where the yeah. Queen is. It must be in Windsor Castle. Or so, the Queen of England, as she should refer to as. There are many queens, but somehow in this republic we refer to the Queen and everyone goes, oh, that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, some kind of... Let me think. It's probably Corgis uh, or something, is it? Mm, We're trying product. to think who, who would, buy, who would buy a Safari like, Park. Is it Range Rovers? Like, do they sell Range Rovers so you can drive around the Safari Park? I'm guessing no, like, it's like a teddy bear, like a, or yeah. It, is it is it a Royal Safari Park, or am I just getting way off? I would get. I mean, or it could just be in Windsor. Yeah. Is there more to Windsor than Windsor Castle? Yeah. Yeah. It's a little town. Yeah. It's a plushy toy. It has to be, but of what? It must be something famous of a, there. Of there a must lion. be a fa- you know the way like like Shamu in Florida and stuff like. Yeah. There must be a famous lion in this Windsor place I've never heard of. Oh well, maybe. But it says a company that bought. What is the best-known product of the company that bought Windsor Safari Park in the 1990s? Oh, so, a company, so it's got to be a big corporation that bought this Safari this Park. This better have something branding. to do with the Safari Park. Well, that's why I think it, like, it could be... I don't <laughs> yeah. know if it does have... Broadband. Like, but it could be like... Yeah, it could be a phone company or, or something Yeah, like it could be like... Alcohol. The Aviva Stadium. It could yeah. just be like... Yeah, like that's like the, the Cadbury's, Cadbury's. Cadbury's Cream Egg. Cadbury's yeah. Safari Park. I think having inferred on this, we're going to say... Not a clue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not a fucking clue. Okay. Um, in its native language. <laughs> oh, okay. This is now it's got interesting. Yeah. In its native language, uh, it translates. It translates into English as "play well." Oh, it's not Lego. It's I know about this. I think you're incorrect when you say it's not Lego. <laughs> it is Lego. Oh, yeah. yeah. cool, cool. Lego. So what, it became what, Lego what, Park. What, what yes, language is Danish? Danish. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Or play. Something like that. Yeah, it's to do with play. Okay, that's so, cool. But yeah, mm. I think. I think. I nearly went so, to Billund once to go to the Legoland place there. That's in Denmark. Did you? Because Ryanair flight to Billund rather than Copenhagen. So you're so like, you may as well go to Legoland. My friend did it. Said it was good, but I don't know. I liked Lego. I played a lot of Lego as a kid. Did you? Yeah, I didn't exactly become an engineer, so I guess I wasn't that good. I never really got Legos, but I still am not that kind of person. I have a question. Why do Americans say Legos and everyone else in most of the world says Lego as a collective mm. now? Well, do they? Legos. I don't know. Well, Irish people just, definitely don't Irish, say Legos. They have an Irish and British people have, call them Lego a, plural. They but. have an um, S at the end in boxes. Oh, no. I don't think so. I don't think so. Not here. Maybe mm. they do in the States. Yeah. It's definitely yeah. one of those transatlantic dividers, though. Mm. The Legos or the Lego? Legos. Yeah. We'd have to ask a Danish person. The Playwells. 
Which like, I would refer Legos. to Lego as a brand. Yeah. But then all the bits are Legos. In Germany, do you think they're called Spielgut? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Hmm. I was really impressed uh, with the history question that I Yeah, that about. was. Yeah. Well, yeah. that was grim. In the past. That wasn't uh, even. <laughs> yeah, 1990s corporate history. But yeah. were you a fan of Lego when you were a youth? Oh, yeah, for mm. sure. Yeah. I had a pirate ship and another ship. Lego Technic, did you ever get those I ones? Got, yeah, I got like one of them. That was all right. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, my dad was really like cool around buying Lego for us. So like we had a train and everything. It was cool. Yeah. We had a Lego yeah. room in our house until my little sister was born, and then that became her room. But yeah, uh, me, and my, me and my other sister had like a Lego room. Lego we room. Just play Lego all day, yeah. We called it Lego room. It was upstairs. Yeah. Because was you cool. do want to keep all that stuff in one place. Yeah. You don't want that stuff spreading through the house. No, because you stand on it. And it is painful. Yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah Legos plus bare feet equals bad yeah. time. Yeah. yeah, bad time. I also really like the fact, again, I'm getting really serious here in podcasts, but I really like the fact that Lego has traditionally, until very recently, been a very non-gender children's story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're really cool like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but now they're. I know. I but think more toys. Pink and stuff, yeah. Yeah, they've gotten a little more gender specific, but more toys now are swinging back towards um, gender neutral. Yeah. Because more parents want gender neutral toys. For and sure. Gender, gender neutral, neutral children. Yeah. Children. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You don't want to. Androgynous you don't wanna, super children. You don't want to <laughs> impose a, a gender stereotype mm. on your yeah. child. Particularly a binary one. Yeah. Yeah. Like, let them figure it out. Like, if your kid wants to wear a dress and it's a boy, just like. Let them do it. Let them do it. Yeah. Who cares? Definitely on the on the harm principle. It's not going to harm anyone. <laughs> it's not going to yeah. harm anyone. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be fine. The, yeah, the gender neutral thing. It is tricky. Or the idea of giving your little girls, uh, you know, truck books. Because mm. I find the little girl What's stuff a, a lot more offensive than... Like, just books about trucks. Oh, yeah. You know, like, yeah. I find the little girl stuff a lot more offensive than little boy toys. They are very... Like... Because they're quite defining a female role like yeah. bake shit in an oven yeah. or things like that yeah. yeah bake shit in an oven or dress up and look pretty yeah are basically and wait for what, Prince Charming to sweep you yeah. away from mm. are basically what girl toys are yeah. all about the guys are more about professions mm. that is yeah here's a truck here's a gun yeah me and my little sister were like she's three years younger than me so we used to play a lot together because we live in a cul-de-sac full of old people so yeah. we pretty much like just like played ourselves so we used to play like a lot of soldiers and like cops and robbers and stuff. So she had a very tomboy childhood. Yeah, she mm. did the tomboy yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And my mum was the one that went out to work and my dad was the one that stayed at home. So we had a very enlightened childhood, I would argue, yeah, in like for the sure. early 1990s. And that was really cool um, in a way that I suppose is now much more normative. But back then it was definitely like, it was weird for Different. my dad, like collecting people at the school gates. And there was only two dads in the school yeah. who did that. Yeah. Uh, like he said everything else was cool, but like that was the one thing where all the school moms would be like slightly like shutting them out because they're like, oh, we don't know whether we should hang out with you guys. Yeah, we don't know if this and is weird. And he was weird. like, oh, I don't fit in here, you know. So I think, I think that was always harsh. And I think yeah. it's harsh nowadays that like school dads are a thing. Yeah, yeah. being changed up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because it's also nice for dads to get to do that stuff. Yeah. And for kids to get to like really know fun. their dads is not yeah. someone who comes in with a briefcase in the middle of the night. And yeah. Like, Sorry, I was trading stocks and shares <laughs> with my Monopoly money. Ha ha ha. And is out yeah. and gone in the morning. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Yeah. It's good. I'm trying to think. I was, really, I was, I'm the oldest, but I really was a girl into all of that girl stuff. Like, I think mm. even if it hadn't been around, 
Yeah. Like my mom is not overly girly herself, but like I, that's what I was into. Like I made that choice. Yeah. And that's a good thing I mean. too. It's like that was That was your choice. I wanted princess stuff and I wanted sure. to dress up and that was it. I wanted pretty things. That's a nice thing to do. But then I also really love sports. So Ah, you see, yeah. I had that aspect yeah. as well. Still, what sports were you good do. at? Uh, lacrosse was my main sport, but I played basketball and soccer too. Uh, everyone thinks I'm really good at basketball because I'm like six foot four. Yeah. I'm not. I'm terrible at all sports. Yeah. Really? All sports? Across Pretty the much. I can like cycle swimming? and run. Yeah, I can do all those things, individual sports. I've never been good at like catching or throwing balls, okay. I guess. Nothing with balls. Yeah, ball sports. Out. Take take it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And tennis, I am like possibly the worst tennis player. In the really? Yeah. <laughs> now I, I want to see... Yeah, I'm just so gangly, like tennis is just a serious challenge yeah. for me, yeah. But you think if you yeah. could get your shit together, you'd be pretty good. Yeah, well, that's that's like... Yeah, but it's taking the yeah. time to get your shit together. That's the, yeah. that's like, way yeah. is it worth it? Yeah. Tennis is a fun game, though. Te- oh, tennis looks fun. I'd love yeah. to be good at tennis. It seems like a fun thing to do. It's fun, but the problem is I get, I get very competitive, though. That's yeah. my problem. Is yeah. And I have a sort of chill nice. disposition when it comes to sports. So I was like, you know, we could just all have fun here. Or like, you know, yeah. let's see how many balls we can hit. Rather than like... I'm gonna beat you at tennis. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Were you uh, always taller than your classmates, or yeah, I've always yeah. been tall. Yeah, um, and sort of owned it, I guess. Yeah, like kind of have to, but um, yeah, I was always tall. Um, I suppose I don't know how long I've been the height I am now. Apparently, you stop growing in your mid twenties, so I guess yeah. I've been this height for a while. But, yeah, uh, you never yeah. know. You see, <laughs> the weird thing though, I, I had a stats lecturer when I was doing my PhD who told us about tallness and he was about six foot three and he said he was really tall for when he was a student. But he says the amount of sugar in people's diet means that people keep getting taller. And he said, yeah, Connor, you think you're tall now, but, and um, like, yeah, now like getting back to the army, I, I, there's, a, there's like a recruit who's about six foot seven. And I always used to be the tallest person in like the entire battalion mm. for a very long time, and now I'm not. And I'm like, it came true. The thing the man said came true. I yeah. <laughs> I used to be above average height, and then or for a man maybe, really? and then I think I looked. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. And then but you're I, not that tall, really. I'm not, but I was above average. Okay. I'm saying one or two inches, okay, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But uh, but then I think I looked recently and average height has like increased beyond me. I'm now below average height. Yeah, it's all these Bummer. gigantic young people. Fuckers. Yeah. Fuckers. God yeah. damn it. I need more old all tiny scandy, people. All these scandy, scandy. But look at the height of the doors being a historian here. Uh, yeah. Like, of old houses. Like they're super small. And yeah. I, part of my life is smacking my head off. The <laughs> that is a significant <laughs> part of my Yeah, my brother day. too. My brother's six foot four. Yeah. Same thing. The worst it's is when you run down the stairs in a house you're not familiar with to answer oh. the door. And you get caught by that thing where the stairs and the uh, upstairs meet. Yeah. That's the worst because you can really mess yourself up on that one. Or in, um, we were looking at houses uh, to buy and it didn't look like it was that small ceilings, but the light fixtures that were hanging down, oh, my yeah. husband, who's also tall, but not crazy tall, mm. kept bumping into light fixtures yeah. and I was like, this is not yeah. going <laughs> to, this is not going to do. Yeah. Like, I had an extra long bed when I was a teenager and then when I like lived on my own I was like screw it I'll just adapt to my surroundings you just sleep maybe perpendicularly yeah diagonally feetally there's lots of ways you can sleep that you know you don't need to be and also you can just let your feet like kind of dangle out the bottom of the bed and that's cool too yeah yeah it's a nice way to be it makes a nice photograph yeah it does yeah yeah yeah. I think I'd I'd need prettier feet for that but in theory you can always fix that in in photoshop Photoshop. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. doesn't need to be pretty feet at the get go yeah 
big long man feet are fine. Speaking yeah. of pretty feet, <laughs> in no way. Um, this is arts and literature, and has nothing to do with that. Obviously, because it's trivial cahoots. Um, well, maybe it's kind of arts, but it's maybe more entertainment. The movie soundtrack for Titanic was the top selling top selling album of 1998. True or false? Oh, totally true. I would say true. Near, far, wherever you are. Mark's looking at me super weird now. <laughs> I, I came of age in, in an era when that was a super popular movie and all the girls around my age went to see Titanic as many times as girls my mother's age would have gone to see The Sound of Music, mm. which was the Titanic of the 1970s. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. that's what they they bill it as these days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's on the DVD boxes, Titanic of the 1970s. Um, did Titanic come out in 1998? Question one. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Seven or eight, yeah. Yeah, no, it was definitely. Seven, Christmas 98. There you Christmas go. Yeah. How many times did you see it then? I only saw it once in the theatre. Okay. But um, we had lots of Titanic paraphernalia because my friend's father worked at Paramount. He was head of marketing oh, at Paramount. Oh, nice. So we got lots of Titanic shit yeah. for Christmas that year. Yeah. Like plenty of Titanic like shit. Like hats and mugs and all those kind like of things? Like books and posters oh, wow. and signed photographs and, you know, it was... And did you cry and I was in boarding school. the ocean? No, I didn't cry. I'm not a big crier in movies. Oh, yeah. I didn't cry, but like I was also in boarding school at the time, and like so, it was like Leo mania. Oh yeah, at boarding yeah. school mm, or like yeah. Titanic mania in general yeah. at boarding school. Yeah, people lost their shit. People lost their shit for that movie. Yeah. So I would believe that the that the album was the best selling album for sure. Yeah, it and is. Back, back when they used to call albums the answer is OSTs, true. official is. soundtrack. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it also had that Irish music on it as well. Did yeah. Oh really? For spinning yeah, around. That's not your important phone, phone call. Keeps buzzing. I don't it's think that's my important phone call. Um, I've never seen it. Good man. Yeah. That's a good way to be. You and two other people. Me yeah. and two other people. Um, but yeah, it's funny that it seemed so essential at the time, and then nobody thinks it's good anymore. Or... But I heard Leonardo DiCaprio and um, Kate Winslet are still like besties. They're besties. Yeah. Are they? Yeah, yeah they it's really look cute. Out for each other and stuff. Yeah. 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 They I think that's nice. hung out at the like they were photographed at the Oscars and all yeah. that kind of stuff together. But then he starred in Romeo and Juliet with Claire Danes, and they're not besties. That was before. I know, but like, what, they should have been the people who stayed close. Mm, yeah. Okay. I think. But I think Kate Winslet I think really nice. Kate Winslet maybe is a cooler person than yeah. Claire Danes. Yeah. If you sure, know what yeah. I mean. Yeah. Danes? Like, I like her, but she's not cool. Yeah. Uh, and she so can be quite intense in Homeland sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's more of an intense Winslet person. Winslet can be intense, surely. I'd say so, but she's got a really dirty sense of humor. She's up, <laughs> yeah. she's up for it. Probably. You know yeah, I mean? I'd like, say Kate Winslet would be she's a more fun, fun person to go out with. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think Leo That's likes what... his nights out. Oh. If you know what I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it was Danny Boyle was saying about um, jobs, um, that Steve Jobs, that... Um, All right, not like employment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that Winslet and Fassbender were wisecracking all the way through the film apparently the set was hilarious yeah. they were so funny well Kate Winslet's extras is one of my favourites oh yeah she's oh, so she's funny in that yeah. oh my god she's brilliant um, and when you hear in interviews and stuff she just doesn't give a fuck she's married to a guy who changed his name legally to rock and roll <laughs> like wow. yeah I mean you have to be a certain kind of person to get a, like be confident with that yeah. and then to marry him it's like well mm. Mm. they did not give their child that last name however Oh, really? 
No. Do you know the child's name as well? You sound like you have a lot of trivia. I don't this. actually know what the child's last name is, but it's, but it's not, not rock, rock and roll. roll. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> 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 not but I became obsessed with Kate Winslet actually more than Leo after Titanic. Yeah, I think I But actually, <clears throat> I read a review recently of like people actually still think Titanic is good for what it was at the time. Like it's still a well-respected filmmaker's movie, if you know what I mean. Really? Like, actual, well, it was kind of the it was technical kind of stuff CGI and, then, yeah, and all that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and all the technical, like they built all of that stuff and wrecked it actually all for real. Like, Did they? Yeah. Wow. Like the boat wasn't built again, yeah, the models like, of yeah, it, like yeah, different yeah. models of it. And cool. Like the making, it was pretty incredible mm. filmmaking. Mm. Yeah. The story is crap. Really? But James yeah. Cameron can't write a screenplay for shit. Like, look at Avatar. Well, oh, he could bad, back yeah. in the day. Um, but he probably got help. And then all of a sudden he got a big oh, head right. and just started like, it like, doesn't matter. doesn't matter because we are going to blow shit up and sink shit. And, like, the abyss is brilliant. And Titanic looks amazing. That's yeah. the other thing. Like, it still does look But amazing. that old lady plotline where she's like old and then she throws her gigantic diamond yeah. into the sea, that just sucks. No, and it should have just been a play or a movie about the Titanic yeah. and not do that kind of like let's get to the present. Yeah. Mm. And also she could have saved Leo. Just saying. She totally could have. Could, like, she there would have been totally enough room on that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. Oh dear. Um, which is stronger? A category one or a category five hurricane? Oh, Unknown. I've already seen the answer, so... Uh, well, it's sort of a 50-50 one. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is, do you know, I think it's probably the opposite to, like, first degree and third degree burns. Because I can never remember which one of them is worse. Mm. You don't want to get burned in general. No. Mm-hmm. You yeah. don't want any kind of a degree of a burn. Yeah. Oh, you don't want yeah. a hurricane in general, either. Mm. Yeah. Because um, people talk about, like, a cat three. And that's bad. So I think Cat 5 would be really bad. Yeah, I think it goes up yeah, for Hurricane yeah. as well. I'm trying to think. Because there's also, what's that, wind, not wind scale, that's where Sellafield is. But, you know, that Beaufort, scale, Beaufort. the Beaufort scale. Remember learning about that in school? It's like, yeah. in a Force 1 Beaufort scale, leaves will blow gently on the ground. And that's like, <laughs> yeah. in a Force 5, flags will be erect on flagpoles. Yeah. And it just went up and up from there. And it's like, in Force 12 Beaufort, the you world has ended. Stand on <laughs> you are blowing through space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll go up. I'll save. I'll save five. Let's call five. It is five. Yeah. Nailed it. Nailing it. Ever been in a storm? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. loads. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. once in an interesting thing where I was camping in Croatia and looking out over the Aegean Sea at Italy. Oh, yeah. And there was a storm in Italy and no storm where we were. And we could see like planes trying to land in Venice and they couldn't land because of the storm and oh, it was yeah? all lightning. But it was cool. just super warm and nice where we were. So we were like drinking beers and looking at this gigantic storm in front of us. And yeah. Because you had such a vista, you could see like all the lightning coming down. That was really cool. Cool. Yeah. Love that. It's always exciting to be in a storm if you're in a yeah. safe place and you know. Or if you're in a tent okay. and you like really get to experience the storm. Out in it. Yeah, that's yeah. cool too. So long yeah. as you're not like, don't wet socks. Yeah. Plus, you're not getting soaked. Yeah. Um, tornadoes would be scary, though. I don't need to have any. I don't need to be near a tornado. That's Does your American a, that's experience a, mean you've experienced this? No, but I've seen enough photos of tornadoes to know that. I definitely it's wouldn't. Not. Wanna, you yeah. don't want to actually be in a situation where you see one. Yeah, I wouldn't want to live in the dust bowl in general. It's no. It's for, not a good. It's yeah. not a good thing. One, like yeah. big storms are great because they're so dramatic and watching one yeah. come in and then being there for it. But then yeah. something like a tornado that is actually so destructive. You're just yeah, kind of, or like a Hurricane Katrina no kind of thanks. thing. Like, you definitely yeah. don't want to be in those. No. Ever. No. Yeah, they're really bad. 
But, but that's also why we live in Ireland, right? Where it's yeah, pretty safe. Extreme <laughs> weather is actually relatively moderate. And, you yeah, know, just it can get windy, but that's You're about like, it. Put the kettle on and we look at the storm out the window. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus, these days are It's raining a bit. It's a fierce soft oh, day. It's a fierce soft What's day. What's a soft day like? Never really worked that one out. Soft day, I don't know either. It's, it's kind of damp. Is yeah. it, but is it like rain falling from the sky or is it like just like is it that, cloudy yeah. and misty? Yeah, I think it's kind of Is that kind of Irish optimism where you're like, objectively it's a terrible day outside, but it's not aggressively terrible, it's just Maybe, kind of yeah. soft. I don't know. And it's a way of putting a nice I've heard it a lot and I'm always just kind of like, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> grand soft day. Yeah. I think Irish people can feel barometric pressure changes though. So I think that's what they're <laughs> yeah. talking about. It's like, this is a low pressure day. This is a low pressure day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I wonder if you experience temperature differently depending on... Well, you certainly do experience oh, temperature sure. differently. But yeah. I wonder if you... Uh, Friend of my dad's married a woman from Sudan and they had to get the marriage annulled because she found it too cold in Ireland and spent most of her time here in the bath. But then he married a second Sudanese woman who really <laughs> liked her. Yeah, no, genuinely, she spent like a long part of about 1999 in the bath and went back to Sudan. And, I was like, fuck but, this. But once you, like, he, he's a really interesting guy and um, like... Shipped her bath but no, inside like, the bath they, back to yeah, Sudan. It, like, amicably, they were like... He was like, I don't really want to live in Sudan. And she was like, yeah. I don't really want to live in Dublin. So That's she went back to Sudan. But he married a different Sudanese woman and she lived here for years and years. And um, <laughs> she really liked her. So he sent her back and got a replacement. Yeah. Like, yeah. shift her back. Yeah. Send me a new like, copy, please. Show, send me one that actually doesn't mind the grim weather. Yeah. And now I don't know if that woman is from South Sudan or North Sudan in modern terms. Mm. Mm. There you go. It's, yeah. all, it's all coming full circle, our conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, speaking of full circles, this is sports and leisure, which sometimes... Oh, I'm so bad at sports. And it's leisure sports. Not sports. It's rarely sports, so... Yeah. so. Mm, okay. I think you'll know. I think we all know the answer to this, and I'm not even a drinker, so... What does a sommelier bring you to, bring to your restaurant table? Uh, not only wine, but also snootiness. <laughs> yes. And a special little and necklace that he wears around his neck to taste your wine. Yeah. Oh. He gets a sip of your wine. He gets a sip of your wine. Really? Mm. Oh, is that what that thing is? Mm-hmm. Taking a sip of your wham, bitch. Mm-hmm. Just I, I make went sure to the a fancy good. conference in Switzerland a few years ago, and it was the first time I've seen it actually subsequently since, which means I must be rising in the world. Mm. But um, where the waiter comes over to your table with this like little strigil thing and like scrapes yeah. the tablecloth. It's a table scraper. Yeah, they don't do that in the restaurants I eat in. Those are yeah. great. Though. Yeah, it's a really nice. It's bit a of nice service. tool, yeah. and it's yeah. it looks like a very satisfying tool to use because it works. they're little and it really just gets yeah. all the crumbs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when you know you're in a good restaurant. Yeah. Table scrapings. Table scrapings <laughs> off the linen, yeah. and when they do it between courses, even oh, yeah, they're like, "Don't worry, we'll just take that yeah. away." Now you have a nice. Here's some more artisan bread for your and next... San Pellegrino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's really nice. Mm. Mm. Uh, don't know how we got on that. Big fan of wine. Um, I suppose I'm more of a fan of beer. Like I wouldn't, I I drink wine with meals, but I wouldn't just like neck a bottle of wine. Yeah, because that seems a bit excessive. <laughs> yeah. Um, but well, yeah. you just haven't had a reason to yet. Maybe. Yeah, that's there's true. never yeah. been a. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Maybe My you haven't one met of those the right bottle as well. Of wine. It says like you know, good day, and it's the lowest part of the glass, and then like all right day, and it's like don't ask. Don't <laughs> ask. Uh, and the wine glass is full up. Yeah. So yeah, no, uh, no, I do. I like wines. I prefer, I prefer red to white, and I like wines that are kind of full-bodied. Like I like a Shiraz, or um, I've always been skeptical over Merlots, but purely because I saw that film Sideways, and they're so happy Merlot. I, like, <laughs> I don't know really, much about wine, really so this ruined, is probably a bad thing. It really ruined 
Merlot. You wouldn't want yeah. to have stocks in Merlot. Mer- Merlot sales went down after. Yeah, big right. time. Yeah. And I think people haven't fully recovered from it. Yeah, that was a funny film about wine. Although if you like Merlot, I'd say that film was great because it brought down the price of Merlot. Yeah, <laughs> and you were like, that's super. Yeah. <laughs> I know, well, I wouldn't, yeah, I don't know a lot about wine, but I do enjoy it. Yeah, that's I a good way know. to be. Yeah. Yeah. Don't know a lot about it. I'm not picky, but I know bad wine, and there's nothing worse than bad wine. It's yeah. disgusting, and it's no fun to drink. Being in the in history circles, I know a lot of bad wine because when you go to certain book launches, not all book launches. Yeah. Sometimes you're like, "Wow, this is a really good book launch," but yeah. frequently it's like you know, pretzels in a bowl and really bad wine. And you're like, <laughs> book better be good. I went to a wedding. <laughs> I went to a wedding once where the wine, all of the wine, the red wine, the white wine, and the champagne were all very sweet. And it was oh. horrible, horrible. Yeah, because I like a sweet very wine dry. Sweet nice with dessert. Fine with dessert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine with dessert, but sweet red wine is grim, and sweet white wine is. I don't know if I've ever had sweet red wine, but it sounds horrific. Like altar wine. I've never had altar wine. Uh, I was an altar boy when I was a kid. So yeah. you were speaking of wine. I used to tipple on that shit. Yeah. <laughs> really? Oh yeah, you'd have a sip. Yeah, it was all right. It was basically sherry. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, actually, sherry. I do like some sherry and port. I like port. Oh yeah, port's good. Yeah, port's lovely. Although I always worry if I drink too much port, I'll get gout because it just seems like that kind of a risk. That's the kind of it. yeah. I'm a worrier, obviously. <laughs> you should just Not sit back and port. enjoy my sherry. But like, you wouldn't drink a whole even wine glass of port. That would be too much. Like you no, just need but you a might have like two of those, soupçon. and then you might have a third one at Christmas. Depending. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, and you, uh, you need. Port, you want to have some really good cheese with it. Stilton and port. Yeah. And Lidl used to sell like a small bottle of port and a Stilton at the same time. Oh. I don't know why they don't do that anymore. No, that's a great bargain. It was a great idea. It was like maybe like five or six quid, but you get Stilton and port and just enough to demolish a block of cheese and a half yeah. bottle of port yeah. in the sitting. But also to be that's like... That's where you're going to get gout. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to imagine that people listen to our episodes with some Stilton and port to yeah. really they should. It. Let's yeah. encourage all listeners yeah, to yeah. Love please partake Yeah, fire on Stilton and brave, yeah. support. Press pause, go to your local little store. Find it. And choose to live a little. We could get some corporate sponsorship for this. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. My God, yeah. little jump on board. Stilton and Free, free right Stilton and port. I'm sure other us. purveyors of food also sell this. And you can also buy them separately. But yeah. the fact that they you were can. put in the same box. No, it's so easy if things are put it. in the same box. Yeah. That's a lovely, yeah. lovely And addition. it was kind of like a gift. Like, you could give it to someone, you're like, I spent a five or ten little today, but this is really nice. But this is uh, <laughs> yeah. something special for you. Yeah, yeah. Don't thank me. Yeah, but maybe spit that bottle with me. Speaking of gifts, where can we buy your book, Connor? Uh, it is in all good bookstores, I think, although I haven't checked them all. But we um, will check. But it's on Amazon, and you can buy an ebook on Amazon as well for yeah. anyone listening abroad. Although I guess Amazon ship everywhere because it's Amazon. And it's published by Irish Academic Press, who are a wonderful Irish publisher. So they also have a website where you can buy direct and cut out the middleman, which I suppose is also a good way to do things. Yeah, mm. that's um, nice. And have you got anything else? Um, well, I have any... another book lined up, but it's uh, it's probably even more academic and heavy than this one yeah that's called the irish parliamentary party at westminster 1900 to 1918 and it's about irish mps who went over to westminster and were mps before independence so Mm. that's kind of a big heavy study thing it'll be several times bigger than this book and definitely more expensive and i hope not less accessible yeah will Will there be pictures No, there'll be graphs. It's that kind of book. <laughs> there'll be graphs. And you, you're often organising events and stuff. Have you any coming up? 
Um, no, I'm really pleased to say that I, do, I just organised a big international conference on 1916 called yeah. Globalising the Rising, which was in UCD, and that was a great success. But now I'm in the phase where I just get to go to events and not run them, which is really enjoyable. So uh, I'm going to go speak at the RTE Reflecting the Rising thing on yes. Bank Holiday Easter Monday. Yes. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. So if anyone wants to hear more of me or is a difficult punishment, they can come to, I think, the Four Courts at 2 o'clock and then Collins Barracks at 5 o'clock or vice versa. I haven't got that one straight in my head yet. But I'm going to give one talk on like reassessing the 1916 Rising as more of a military success because I started to realise in my research that like most people just surrendered while they were well-armed and well-ammunitioned and well-fed. And it was because the GPO was vanquished. So I'm going to kind of explore that as a bit of a, let's think about this differently. And then I'm also going to look at the British reaction to the 1916 Rising. Hence why I was in London last week in the National Archives at Kew. Oh, you weren't just walking around the street being like, sorry, could you tell us about how you feel about the 1916 Rising? No, I'd love to do that kind of research, but I guess that's more like a sociologist thing. Mm. Um, No, so yeah, like how the the British government reacted to the Rising. And I found a cool document where... uh, like really late on like in the middle of May they're like does anyone actually have a copy of this proclamation thing and it seems like the first few guys were tried and they're like we have no idea what you were at but we're really angry and we're going to kill you soon so I think they probably had a stronger legal basis for the later executions than the first ones but Mm. uh, but that's when people started getting head up was when they started oh yeah for sure like Mm. The, the rebels were like jeered at and had like I guess rotten tomatoes or whatever the 1914 equivalent was thrown yeah. at them when they were leaving for Frongok but uh, yeah when you shoot when you had down 90 death sentences and shoot a bunch of people it kind of changes people get a bit pissed opinion. they do yeah, yeah yeah. there's a big print of this picture of Dev in the uh, National Archive or what's it called um, in Temple Bar meeting house oh the National Photographic National F- Archive yes. that place is cool it is Everyone cool should go and you place. should go have the, the go look at the photos now because they're very good in. Yeah, it's free and you can wander around photo exhibition there. and this yeah. photo that you have in your book is a huge oh that's great because it's only small in my book um, and it's yeah it's yeah. a good one yeah um, Dev's got some fancy fancy jodhpurs on <laughs> he does yeah, that's uh, that's Dev after he got captured, so he's kind of like disheveled, and he has a tash. A tash. So it's mm. kind of weird to think about Dev during the nineteen sixteen rising with a tash on, because he looked kind of like Canton. <laughs> he's he's doing a Mark Canton, is what he's doing. You should play yeah. Dev in the future. You know, it may it may happen on March twenty eighth. Um, we're doing another uh, proportional defamation in on Shaw. Um, but we're also doing Tiny, our improv group, are doing improv in Anshaw on Camden Street on Monday, 21st of March. Ooh. Mark Canton's birthday. My birthday. Hey. The spring equinox. Nice. Yes. It's Mark's 40th, so it's everyone should 40th, be there. So, <laughs> very important. Uh, you're working on your birthday. I'm working on my birthday. He's working yeah. on his birthday. Yes. Yeah, so he come will down. Take, he will take donations of cake and cookies. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Oh, another plug I have is that my album, Words Fail Me, oh. what? Butt plug. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, my album, Words Fail Me, is on iTunes finally. So you can, if you're an iTunes kind of person, you can buy it. It's good. Sounds search, cool. It's good. Search for me on iTunes and you'll and find it. And you're on Bandcamp as well. And I'm on Bandcamp as well, yeah. I mean, is there anything you're yes. not on? Yeah. No, I'm everywhere. This man is omnipresent. This guy omnipresent. is everywhere in the world. Yeah. You should join our choir, Annie. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Thank that you. was good. You should. That was good. Um, maybe I will. Give those Sopranos a run for their money. Yeah. Take that, yeah. Sopranos. Sopranos. 
Uh, is there anything else you want to plug, Connor? No, no. Plug plugins all good. Plugins all good. Plugins Any? all good. No, you plugged yeah. our thing, so plugged I'm, I'm thing. good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for. Thanks very much for, thanks having for me coming. For yes. And thank you for the snakes. I thank hope I hope I didn't talk too seriously about like. No. Well, and our fans will be the judge stuff. of that. I think yeah. that's interesting. It's nice to give our it's people good to be interesting some occasionally. Yeah. Yeah. intelligent occasionally. Unlike us, normally. Unlike us. Yeah. <laughs> Until next time. Until next week, kiddos. Coot your shoot. <laughs> exactly. Do what he said. Yeah.